Good morning. Welcome to our Daily Word and Prayer. My name is Tom Short, so glad to have you along today with us on this Saturday morning where we like to talk about something that's in the news, a current issue, and maybe how us Christians, we as Christians ought to think about it. And there's a doozy in the news today or this week. Of course, you know we're we're in a in America here in this battle, shall we say, of of um, the Roe versus Wade and the abortion issue right now. And one of the leaders of this, obviously, has been the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, and the Archbishop of San Francisco, where she's from, has ruled that she should not be allowed to take communion because of her strong advocacy for abortion. What, do we, what ought we to think about this? Is that overly judgmental? Isn't the church supposed to be a place for anyone to come and to be allowed to be included? Is the church out of line? Or is it a good thing what they're doing? Is it, uh, is, are they having standards? Are they, are, they having, um, are they requiring people to meet up to certain standards if they want to be a part or a member of the church? Indeed, these are questions that we evangelicals are really struggling with and have been struggling with over the last 20, 30 years in new ways as we've had this, these new ideas of churches being what we call seeker-oriented or seeker-sensitive. Who's allowed to be there and who isn't? Are there standards for membership in the church? If you want to call yourself a Christian, if you want the church to recognize you as a Christian, are there standards? And indeed, many, many churches have the, the, the standard, the practice. You can come to church, but you only take communion if you are a professing, professing of that faith. And of course, many churches even say you've got to be part of their church or their denomination, uh, that you're not to take it. For instance, I should not, I would not be permitted to take, uh, communion in a Catholic church because I'm a Protestant. And so the question becomes, was this right or wrong? I'd like to say, my hat's off to the, this archbishop and the Catholic Church here for a, making a good decision. My only criticism, I think it's long overdue. But now that they've taken it, good for them. I think they've done the right thing. Is that just my opinion? What does the Bible say about this? I Take us to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to look at a lengthy section today uh, of, this, of this book, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, and read some very interesting passages. Here we go. Verse 1, it's actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and sexual immorality of such a kind as does not exist even among the Gentiles, namely, that someone has his father's wife. Now, catch, catch what's going on here. Someone in the church, someone who was a member of the church, good standing, come to the meetings. They were sleeping with his well, probably his stepmother, or or I don't know if he was grown now, might not be considered a stepmother, but his father's wife, it was an obvious case of sexual immorality. Next verse, you have become arrogant and have not mourned instead so that the one who has done this deed would be removed from your midst. There he tells us what to do. The person who was involved in this sin is to be removed from their midst. And the fact that they would not do it or that they had not done it yet was a sign of spiritual arrogance. Let's continue reading. For I, on my part, 
though absent in body, but present in spirit, have already judged him who has so committed this as though I were present. What an interesting comment. Paul's making a judgment here. We talked a couple weeks ago about how this concept of are Christians to make judgments? Are we allowed to judge? Does Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, where Jesus said, judge not lest you be judged, was that a, a blanket prohibition against us making any judgments whatsoever? And we saw that, in fact, what it was was a, ju- a, a prohibition against hypocrites. People had a log in their eye. People who were committing the same thing. People who weren't willing to be judged by the same standard. They weren't to be judging. But if once you took that log out of your eye, you were supposed to make you were supposed to make some judgments. Your judgments are designed to help a person. Your judgments are well. We'll see here in a moment what these judgments were designed to do. It's interesting to me how we're going to hear, or not we, the Catholic Church is going to hear all kinds of criticism and condemnation for denying a leading politician like Nancy Pelosi communion because of her position on abortion. And yet, I wonder how many of those same people would say they've left the church because the church is filled with hypocrites. Folks, you can't have it both ways, can you? Either the church is either the church has a lot of people who aren't doing what they say, who are claiming to be Christian and aren't living like a Christian and are denying what the Christian faith would teach and thus allowing people in, in which the church is filled with hypocrisy. Or if they do something to address that hypocrisy and say, you can't stay, you can't be involved if this is what how you're living, this is what you're advocating, that is so unchristian, we're sorry, you can't be involved here, and they'll be accused of being judgmental. Some might, they're not going to be able to win one way or the other, are they? Well, let's go on and keep reading. Paul says, I for... For I, on my part, though absent in body but present in spirit, have already judged him who so committed this as though I were present. In the name of our Lord Jesus, when you are assembled, and I with you in spirit, with the power of the Lord Jesus. That's pretty strong power here, isn't it? I've decided to turn such a person over to Satan for the destruction of of his body so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. Now, what an interesting concept here. Paul is saying that there are people who say they're Christian. And by the way, this is, he's not talking here. He goes on later in the chapter and says, I'm not talking about unbelievers. I'm talking about those who say they're Christian. A so-called brother, he says, who are living in such, con, in such uh, their life is such a denial of the, of the message they say they believe. That he says, I'm going to deliver them, we're going to judge them, remove them from the midst, take a stand against them, even deliver them over to Satan. I believe that means they're, they're going to have a hard life. They're going to have some, they're, they're going to, they're going to struggle. Satan's not, he's not a, he's not a good master. He's cruel. And he says, so that this person, that their body might be destroyed, the destruction of his body, because his spirit might be saved. Paul was interested in this person's salvation. The first motive he had in delivering them over and saying, they can't be part of your church anymore. You've got to remove them from your midst. His first motivation is that they that would bring them to repentance, that would bring them to salvation, that they would go through such hardship, they like the prodigal son, they'd come to their senses, think better of what they've done, and come to Christ because Paul's first and 
foremost concern here with this person was he wanted them to be saved. It wasn't he, he wasn't thinking, boy, if they just sit in church a little bit longer, they're going to get saved. He said they have hardened their heart to such a point that you must take a stand if you want them, if you want to get their attention. Because obviously what you're doing is not working. And something else has to happen to bring them to repentance. And so Paul says, I'm going to, I'm, I in the power of the Lord Jesus, we're delivering this person over to Satan for the destruction of their flesh. And then he goes on to reprove the Corinthians. Your boasting is not good. What were they boasting of? Oh, we're tolerant. We're open-minded. We're inclusive. We're loving. We're forgiving. Your boasting is not good. This person was not repentant. Now, now Paul's not at all talking about people who are struggling with something, genuinely trying to overcome it. This person was publicly Everybody knew they were committing sin, and there seemed to be no, no remorse over it, no sense of guilt, no sense of shame. They were just out in the open living a sinful way, a sinful lifestyle with no repentance. That's what Paul's talking about. He's not talking about a person who's struggling, who's, who, who does repent, who feels terrible what they've done. They're really looking for help. This person wasn't looking for help with a sin. And by the way, I don't think Nancy Pelosi's coming to church to get some kind of moral instruction on how she should think about abortion. I think she, her mind is made up, and that's what this archbishop decided. Back to the scripture here. Your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough? What a warning. And this is what we need to understand. What a warning to the church. The church in America largely today has vastly lost its influence. One of the major reasons is we have lost standards of what it means to be a Christian, standards of membership. It's kind of an anyone is welcome. Now, let's be clear. Anyone is welcome who has a repentant spirit to seek God and find truth. But when you have people sitting in the pews who are obviously, publicly, noticeably, in in rejecting the truths being taught without any sense of, I'm here to learn and understand, but I'm here comfortable without any intention whatsoever to change. That's leaven. And a little leaven will help leaven the whole lump. And before you know it, your whole church has people justifying their sin, justifying rebellion, justifying things that are wrong, and thinking, well, it was fine for that person, it's fine for me. The church has no standards. The church, it's, it's anyone comes and it doesn't matter. The church has no standards. It's just a meeting. You don't come to change. You don't come to seek God. You don't come with a spirit of humility and teachability. You just stand firm and stubbornly in your sin. And that leaven leavens the whole lump. And before you know it, the church has become impotent. And is this not what has happened in our culture today? When was the last time you've heard of a church that removes someone from fellowship because of overt sin, unrepentant sin? Well, maybe we should just assume no one in the church has, has any unrepentant sin. Is that right? No one in the church, no one in the church is doing things, even in sexual immorality, like here, that they're not that that they're not justifying and saying it's okay. Believe me. 
sins rampant in many, many, many churches. And when we turn a blind eye to it, as if, and, and again, I'm not talking here about someone who's a, who struggles with their sin and is coming for help. I'm talking about someone who has no repentance, no humility, no brokenness, no shame, no sadness. Their sin is overt and out there, and everybody knows it, and they know it. They say, oh, but it's okay because God forgives me. I don't care. I'm not going to deal with it. That leaven is leavening the lump of dough, the whole lump. And the church is losing its saltiness. And as Jesus said, it's good for nothing but to be trampled underfoot by men. What's Paul say? Clean out the old leaven so that you may be a new lump, just as you are in fact unleavened. For Christ our Passover also has been sacrificed. I skip a few verses here. He talks about, he says, then he says, I wrote to you not to associate with an immoral person. I'm not meaning with the immoral people of this world. The immoral people of this world, I mean, you'd have to go out of the world if you had to avoid all of them. But rather, he says, if there's any so-called brother, a so-called brother, and if I could read here from 1 Corinthians chapter 5, I'll just read precisely. If there be any, give me one second, if there be any so-called brother, actually I wrote, not to associate with any so-called brother, if he is an immoral person or covetous, or an idolater, or a reviler, or a drunkard, or a swindler, not even to eat with such a one. Unbelievers? Sure. We, we, we're trying to witness to the unbelievers who have these problems. But someone who's naming the name of Christ, and they're engaging in this public, unrepentant behavior, he says, don't even eat with such a one. Much less have them take communion with you and a declaration of their faith. He goes on to say, for what business of mine is it to judge outsiders? Do you not judge those who are within the church? But those who are outside, God judges. Remove the evil person from among yourselves. So brothers and sisters, where's my position on this um, archbishop out in San Francisco who denying Nancy Pelosi? In my opinion, all these people, in the Catholic Church, and indeed, in, in our, this is this is abortion is murder. And when you have some of these leading politicians boasting about being good Catholics, and at the same time uh, arguing in, in, in defense of abortion, and there's a whole lot of them out there, not just Nancy Pelosi, there's a lot of others too, including our president, I stand with them. These people are putting politics ahead of their religion. They're free to do that. They're free to do that. If that's what they want to do, they can do it. If they want to take moral positions and, 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 and advocate for moral positions because of their political beliefs as opposed to their religious beliefs, it's America. You can do that. But it's the responsibility of church leaders to say, if you do that, if you do that, then we're, we're calling you a so-called brother. We're taking a stand against it. You're doing that for political reasons. But by doing so, you're denying our faith. And for such, we won't let it go unaddressed. So, kudos to him. He's out in San Francisco. He's probably going to take a lot of heat for that, that archbishop out there. Probably going to take a lot of heat for it. But good for him. Father in heaven, we think of... We think of our country and how divided we are and how we pray that the church would have a voice 
in helping God give moral direction. We confess, Father, in so many ways we've lost our saltiness. It grieves us. It grieves us how many churches, uh, anytime we take any sort of a moral stand, people say, well, you're just a bunch of hypocrites anyway. And then they point to, to people where, where sin was tolerated, even amongst leaders where sin was tolerated, and it only, it only was dealt with when it became public and exposed to others. How shameful on our part, Father. Oh, forgive us. Forgive us. Father, I pray for our churches in America to be holy. I pray, Lord, that our churches would be filled with people who genuinely, honestly come seeking God, wanting to be transformed in a humble spirit, not coming just to do our religious duty, as we say, that we're going to stand firm in our own beliefs and everything, we, everything we're strong in, uh, our politics or whatever, but we come humble before you, wanting to learn and wanting to be subject to you and what you teach us in your holy word. We pray for, we pray for Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden and some of these leading uh, abortion advocates who also are claiming to be devout Christians. We pray, Father, they repent. That is our prayer. They would repent of their advocacy of sin, and they would be known and they would be guided by the morals given to them in the Scripture rather than by those that are politically expedient. We pray for those of us, Lord, who I'm not a Catholic, but I pray for those of us in our churches that we too would be people who our, our arms are wide open to the humble, repentant, broken sinners seeking help. But Lord, those who name the name of Christ and refuse to humble themselves, refuse to repent re, and, and boast in, that, in their shame. They boast in their shame. I pray, Father, help us, help us to have the courage to make the judgments we need to make of those in the church. And, 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 know how to balance compassion and understanding and restoring people with sometimes what's tough love. I think of how Paul said he wanted their body to be destroyed so that they their spirit will be saved in the day of Christ. That's what we pray for, Father. We pray for more and more people to be saved in the day of Christ. And sometimes, Father, help us to understand that the road to salvation is a road of suffering and humility and brokenness as we see our weakness and our need, and as you humble those of us who are proud. Oh, Father, help us. We don't want to be self-righteous Pharisees, but we also don't want to be so tolerant we have no standards whatsoever and aren't faithful to you and your word. Help us, guide us through these things. We give you this day to follow you and to love you, and we bless you today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen, and amen. Well, it's a tough message today, and I say, you know, I only say come join us because we're here every single day. We're not once a day Christian, or excuse me, once a week, once a month, once a year, or just when we feel like it, Christians, but we're every day. And that's why we're here every day in the Word of God, seeking to learn, to grow, to pray for what we learn, and become more faithful and stronger believers. I urge you to come back every day. If you're new, make sure you subscribe, hit the notify, tell your friends, and so on. But also... I'm not going to be here for about the next week. We're going on. We're leading a group that is going on a uh, up to Alaska, and we're going to call it our Know Why You Believe tour. And a number of people, friends of our ministry, will be together for a week. I don't think I'm going to have very good internet access, so I'm just not going to be here over the next week. I'll be back probably Tuesday morning, the 31st of May, 
I might drop a video here or there, so keep an eye open, check it out, but um, probably won't be live. That would mean getting up at 4.30 a.m. to, to uh, do the Steely Word Prayer, but we'll see. We'll see. So anyway, God bless you. Glad to have you along. I hope you come and join us regularly. Make sure you do subscribe, hit the notify, tell your friends. And until we see you in about nine, 10 days from now, you be strong. Might God bless you, fill you with strength, fill you with courage. That's what we need in our day, isn't it? Fill you with courage, fill you with joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Remember, you got something the world didn't give you and the world can't take it away. God bless you. And we'll see you in about nine days. God bless you. Bye-bye.